Welcome to BSD Talk number 146. It's Monday, April 7, 2008. I'd like to start by asking a question, and that is, where do you go for your favorite BSD-related websites? I'd just be curious to start getting a list. Maybe you can put them in the show comments. You know, obviously there are the websites related to the specific versions of BSD, but I'm also curious about other sites that have more general BSD-related news and maybe podcasts or other kinds of information. Another thing I wanted to quickly pass on was a story about shopping for BSD. My brother and I were in Boston this weekend, and we happened to go to Micro Center. And that is a computer store, and I was interested in going there not only for my regular gadget shopping, but also because I had heard that PCBSD had struck a deal with Micro Center to carry it on the shelves, and so I was curious to go see if I can find it. Well, unfortunately, I couldn't find PCBSD, although it could have been hiding, or it could have been sold out. That would be even better. Although I did find that there were some CD sets for FreeBSD, although it was only version 6.2. But I was happy to see that there was the opportunity to buy BSD at a regular consumer electronics store. So maybe that's another question for the listeners. Have you ever seen or where can you go get BSD, either uh, as a CD that was part of a book or just in general as CDs at different locations? So more information to solicit and maybe go ahead and post that in the comments to this particular post. All right, now on to an interview, and this is a returning guest we've had on before, and we had had some correspondence about his use of different operating systems on the desktop, so I thought I could have a conversation with him and record it for you. So here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking once again with James Cornell. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to have you on again today because in some correspondence that we had, you mentioned a variety of topics, but also one was that you were starting to use Open Solaris recently. So I thought it might be interesting to talk about your use of that of your, you know, and how that fits into your world of Unix. Maybe start by talking about how you started using Open Solaris. Well, back in 2002 when I started uh, using Unix, uh, originally I started using Linux, but uh, at a time I noticed Solaris 9 was available for free download. Actually, at the time it was $20, which I paid, and I downloaded it, and I tried it out on my system, and obviously it had really poor driver support, and then I stopped using it until basically uh, Solaris 10 started becoming somewhat stable and popular. And you also use the BSDs. I've been using FreeBSD longer than I have been using Solaris. Were you looking at Solaris just as an interesting or curious thing to try, or was there something about the BSDs that was lacking that, that made you seek something like Solaris? Well, uh, I've tried out many systems uh, in the last couple of years. For example, I have an SGI Erics box uh, sitting underneath my desk, and I use that occasionally. Uh, I've gone through probably at least 20 Linux distributions. I've gone through all three of the BSDs, and I've tried out Dragonfly, and I have a Mac, which I use sometimes, uh, probably more than I do with FreeBSD. But uh, I guess it's more from a hobbyist perspective that I wanted to try it out. Yeah, I'm I'm similar in that. I love playing with different operating systems, and I'll install pretty much anything I can get my hands on. So, you know, maybe as a as a BSD user, was there anything significantly different, at least at the surface, when trying something like Open Solaris? 
Uh, the package management system is uh, a lot different on OpenSolaris. You can get package source, which is from NetBSD, but there's nothing comparable to ports. Uh, it still uses SVR4 packaging. Um, that's quite different, and it does lack the availability of a lot of packages that you might be able to easily compile and use on FreeBSD. And are you using this on the i386 platform, or do you have some Spark machines? Uh, I'm just using it on an i386 right now. Yeah, unfortunately, I gave OpenSolaris probably uh, too superficial of a test when I when I tested it recently. I guess there's sort of a beta release that's out that um, I downloaded, and it gave me a GNOME desktop, which didn't look any different than any other free Unix clone. Uh, and then I dropped to the command line and found myself a little lost and you know noticed that a lot of the utilities have a lot of different flags than what I'm used to. Yeah, that's that's quite true. Uh, but if you switch between any Unix-like platform or Unix platform, you will notice that the tools are a lot different. The GNU tools, for example, always have a lot of commands, more than, say, AAX or HBOX or something like that. And the flags are obviously different. Some utilities, like the basic ones, uh, like GNU core utils, CP, MB, they're basically the same as the BSD counterparts, but as you start going along and using advanced commands or piping them, then you start to have some trouble learning. You know, now that Solaris has sort of entered the world of yet another free Unix, what do you think is going to happen in, in the landscape? You know, is there room for this many free Unix clones? And with Solaris having a legacy of being you know, sort of a production-ready, heavily engineered operating system. Do you think this is going to spell trouble for either Linux or the BSDs? I, at this point, following development, upgrading my system occasionally, probably every two weeks, it's it's pretty chaotic, um, just as it is with uh, Linux. Just It's more monolithic still. Uh, if you wanted to get an upgrade on GNOME, which is called the JDS, or Java Desktop System, they, uh, they release it in... Uh, Tarda GZs and they have upgrade scripts, so it's it's kind of archaic in that sense. It probably won't ever spell trouble, at least from the experience that I've had with it so far. Sun does have quite a bit of marketing behind it. Uh, the licensing is a bit enticing for some developers regarding patents, but I think that Linux has much more users uh, in the development. Uh, it's, it's a lot, I don't know, more stable. Uh, than even open Solaris right now. Now, what are you running in production? Well, when I say production, or you know, do you run any web servers or any boxes at home? And, and what operating systems are they running? Uh, well, I just moved from California to Texas, so I'm not moving. Uh, I'm not running any systems other than my desktop, and you know, other than a couple desktops. Do you see Open Solaris replacing the operating system on any of your machines on a full-time basis? No, I, I don't. And how important is the license to you, or you know, the BSD license versus something like the GPL? I like licenses that are more transparent to the developer and to the user, where uh, certain things aren't required to be done. Some things for some users are quite uh, they're they're showstoppers in getting a productive desktop going. Uh, the GPL, uh, while it's very uh, effective as a free open source license. Uh, and it's also very widespread, it does cause some bit of trouble trying to migrate traditionally proprietary users over, um, specifically codecs and uh, other binary-based uh, drivers like NVIDIA's. Uh, the BSD one's much more open. 
but then it still has problems um, in some sense. Now you mentioned NVIDIA. Do you run any NVIDIA cards? And you know, when, when I think about these binary drivers and, and vendor support, is there any vendor support for these kinds of drivers in Open Solaris? Uh, they're bundled with the operating system. Uh, NVIDIA and Sun have uh, entered agreements, and this includes Open Solaris, not just Solaris 10. Uh, and I have a Quadro FX 1500, uh, and it works out of the box with Open Solaris. How about on FreeBSD? If you're running i386, you can get an NVIDIA driver, but you have to manually install it with ports or from their file. Do you have any sense of the performance? Does it seem to work better under one or the other? Well, recently, the Open Solaris X11 team believe they ported over Drive, but as far as I know, that only affects the Intel cards, which are fully open source, uh, driver-wise. Uh, NVIDIA has its own DRI implementation and its own GLX, so I think that it's more... It really doesn't matter what platform it runs on. Uh, some have more tuning than others, but... I say that between Open Solaris and FreeBSD, the performance is about the same. It's slightly less than Linux, though, because that's where most of the development is. Have you tried FreeBSD 7 yet? I've tried it, and the main showstopper for me is lack of NVIDIA driver on AMD64 platforms. There was a FreeBSD Piper mail in 2006 with an NVIDIA team member saying that there were certain kernel interfaces that were missing from uh, FreeBSD, which were crucial for their uh, quality control over their card, over their drivers on FreeBSD. And that's why they don't have an AMD64 version. And that should be rectified with FreeBSD 7, but there's been no word about it. So going forward, you know, obviously exploring these different free operating systems. You, know, you did mention the NVIDIA drivers. Are there other aspects to these free operating systems that are showstoppers for you? Not necessarily showstoppers. Maybe initially uh, codec availability, uh, specifically MP3 and MPEG, uh, which are patented codecs. And unfortunately, uh, these are non-free. Uh, some vendors, they do pay for the license, but you still have to manually fetch or enable them due to the GPL uh, linking requirements for certain front-end programs to Say example, uh, GStreamer. Yeah, I think that's always a an area of tension in the free and open source world. Not only patented codecs, but also proprietary software. You know, how far do you want to go in order to have a convenient desktop versus a free desktop? Well, certain things I just can't live without. Obviously, VirtualBox entered the game. It's a competitor to VMware. But it does not have 64-bit support right now, so I really can't fully embrace that. Well, besides virtualization products, uh, at least on my system, uh, I don't have a problem, but I'm sure that others have a lot of problems with uh, certain drivers, especially for sound, uh, high-definition audio. audio. Uh, there's probably a lot of things wrong. For me, my system doesn't really have any major problems hardware-wise with these free systems. I'm not a purist, and you know, for me, at times, I have to do what I have to do. What's often the case is, especially when I'm doing an interview, if someone's comfortable doing it on Skype, I'll do it on Skype, but other times I'll use pure SIP for something else and record it that way. And for me, sometimes I just have to be pragmatic, and I can't insist purely on free either GPL or BSD-licensed software. Is there any proprietary software on these free operating systems that 
that you're waiting for or, or holding you back because you don't have them? Well, obviously, uh, last interview we had, we were talking about Sun Java, which finally has a somewhat outdated version available from the FreeBSD Foundation. And then there's the OpenJDK, which makes it a pretty good option for uh, getting an up-to-date version of Java. So I guess it would be Adobe Flash, VMware Workstation, or Server, and uh, possibly yeah, Skype. That's definite. Yeah, have you tried Ganache? I, I've never tried that, the, the Flash implementation. I really don't think the uh, compatibility is good enough to be used for production. Yeah, and when it, you know, when it comes to something like Skype, I have trouble, you know, especially when interviewing people on the BSDs, because I don't know whether people have really settled on a single application that I can count on everyone using. You know, SIP as a protocol is available to everyone, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, suggest an application for doing VoIP stuff, so I end up using the phone. I think that Akiga is a pretty good option. Uh, it's even available in OpenSolaris, but it does require the infrastructure to support it. And when you say the infrastructure, what do you mean? Well, Skype has their own servers, which routes all of the voice communications from client to client. If you were to implement SIP, you would obviously have to have uh, a soft phone. You'd have to have support from, say, Vonage, corporate uh, SIP support, so that you could plug in a soft phone that they don't make. It's just a mess. You know, I don't know whether any of these... Well, I think Linux is sort of has the user base to encourage some of these companies to write software, but I, I don't know whether how the user base is doing in the BSDs or OpenSolaris in order to encourage companies to either support these platforms or, better yet, open up their software to these platforms. Well, now that you brought that up, uh, OpenSolaris does come with Adobe Flash, and it works on Mozilla Firefox. It's not just limited to Opera like it is on FreeBSD. Of course. For me, sometimes browsing the internet without Flash is a joy. You know, I don't have to see all those mortgage advertisements of people dancing, so... <laughs> Well, there's flash block. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, you know, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about tonight? I suppose we could talk a little bit about the usage statistics of the uh, various free operating systems, although they're not really concrete. Where do you go to, to find those kind of statistics? Uh, well, last time I looked, it was Google, but uh, there's various projects like the Linux Counter Project. Uh, if, if you want to look at the Linux user base, however, that's a bit of a problem because it also includes servers and non-desktop-oriented uh, workstations like in labs for universities. So it's not really concrete. Uh, for the BSDs, pretty much you have to base it all on web statistics right now. You still do. Open Solaris, you're going to have to listen to Sun, although you know you only can trust him as far as you can throw him with uh, statistics, because marketing would uh, have something else to say about it. And I guess you know one thing I always grapple with is you know how important is that popularity? I think often if what you're hoping for is to be handed some proprietary software from a vendor, then the popularity can be important. But if you don't want to be relying on these vendors and their quote gifts of proprietary software, then maybe the popularity doesn't matter as much. You know, as long as the developers are willing to keep developing, it doesn't really matter whether there's only two of them or a thousand of them. Yes, well, I'm not a purist. Uh, I, I got to agree with that. Um, if developers were capable of delivering something comparable to some of these proprietary titles that we can't replace very well, Ganache, for example, they're doing a good job, but it's just not good enough. It, it'll take time. And unfortunately, the proprietary mainstream implementation of Flash from Adobe is it's just going to continue to mutate. It's going to be a moving target. It's just like Wine for uh, you know Windows for translating a 132 binaries. It's, it's a moving target. 
I'm most often made aware of the problem with proprietary software when I switch platforms. You know, you've obviously hit it when going to 64-bit operating systems, because I like to collect funky hardware. And while my open source operating systems will run on just about anything, suddenly I realize that that proprietary software that I've been depending on doesn't run on this other hardware, and that's quite frustrating. Here's a good example. My uh, SGI Eric's box is obviously, uh, well, more than outdated now. It's unsupported. SGI has basically killed the platform. However, things still manage to compile on it, and it's thanks to open source. Uh, and the long-term future of this machine isn't very good, um, especially if you have newer boards. There's not much to run on it. Even NetBSD has uh, trouble on the newer boards. And when I mean newer, I mean 2001, which is very outdated. It still doesn't work. Well, anything else? I guess we could talk about... Uh, Alternatives to Adobe Flash completely, because we were talking about alternatives for viewing Flash. Mm-hmm. There's a couple examples. Adobe is obviously uh, pushing Adobe Air, which hasn't been ported to Linux yet. Uh, it's more of a desktop application. Uh, it's a development kit for allowing developers to uh, use their web skills to write desktop applications. Uh, then there's Microsoft Silverlight, which supposedly in the works to be ported to Linux using uh, Mono, so Novell is sponsoring that, and that's beneficial, which is recently. Um, but I don't see that helping the BSDs or even OpenSolaris, which have pretty terrible Mono support. I don't know how much of a good thing it is, you know? I sure do wish that instead of trying to re-implement proprietary software, the open source world could come up with a very flexible and popular alternative, so that rather than chasing the spec, we could be pushing this back. And that lies with popularity, and popularity is evil, so we're kind of lost for words on fixing this problem. And certain things, you know, at least a, a while ago, won out, you know, the SMTP protocol. All kinds of vendors had their own proprietary mail systems that didn't talk to each other, and eventually people caved in and decided to go with the <laughs> protocol that, that works everywhere. And So I think there's sort of a variety of traditional Unix protocols that won out in the early days of the internet, but I just don't know whether that can continue to happen. Well, that's protocol level. Now, with proprietary software being the norm, back then, in 1981, you know, uh, BSC TCP IP was, was free. It was not encumbered like the GPL would be. So everybody adopted it. See, it would have been a lot different. People say this if the uh, original BSD TCP IP stack was GPL'd. It, nobody would adopt it. The internet would be network again. We, we wouldn't be communicating with each other like we can now. I'm hoping that listeners who are hearing this will present counterexamples or additional examples of where open source is pushing the envelope and, and setting the standards. I just, you know, none are coming to my head right now, but I'm sure there are many. Mm, maybe PDF, for example. Adobe is, I guess, open sourcing or something of that matter. Specification, uh, the Evans Reader, for example, which is available for BSDs and pretty much every Unix and Unix-like system, it views PDFs and recently you can use you can do form editing in it. Uh, so that's one example where open source has kind of won out. Not very well known, but nonetheless, it's it's pretty important. PDF is very important. Having a ubiquitous file specification or format, it's nice to have. And I guess ODF is making some headway, but although I don't know how much. I haven't seen very many people use it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me tonight. Thanks, Will. 
If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 146.